Okay. Now, if you're recording in 44.1, there should be no, no trouble. Yes. Uh, mixing oh, okay. these together. Great. Good. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, okay, so that was a, yeah, that was a strange, strange, uh, strange playthrough. playthrough. Yeah. It's a very strange yeah. game, I think. It's uh, hmm. it's hmm. full of this interesting fantasy material, but it's it's all kind of deeply integrated into this police state fascism narrative, you know? Yeah. Like right from the very beginning in, in the intro, it's like the reason that the people begin evoking the name of Sendel is is as a response to the the you know the horror of their lives in this police state oh it's in, of course, a, in an yeah. effort to keep their spirits up that's what it says right after after fun frock herds them all into into one hemisphere of the planet right he's he's made it lopsided everyone used to live equally over the whole planet but now only one half of the planet can be lived in and at, at the same time that that happens he bans all superstition and then as response to that this legend about the goddess and this myth starts spreading through the through the population in synchrony with Twinson having these dreams about the legend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like that really you know? brings up the age old <laughs> question about like intentionality. Like it seems so perfect, such a good yeah. <laughs> description so of like uh, of exactly of just uh, the, like a Jungian thing, but but uh, but I mean, at the same time, so many of these games are like that that it it makes me wonder: were all like game developers at that at that time hippie enough to have read Jung, right? Or were or were they just like um? This is just what comes out. Like, I yeah, know, you know, whatever. I think that the theory itself hmm. would predict that these things would happen in this way, hmm. even when there's not conscious intention, right? That's kind of the whole. That's Jung's idea. Real is like, yeah, we're exactly. spontaneously streaming this stuff out. The Jungian stuff is developed by looking at this stuff. It's not the other way around, right? It's Jung is perceiving these as recurrent motifs everywhere. In yeah, myth that's a good and point. in religion and in dreams and in delusions. It's all the same material. <laughs> the details shift around, but these weird structural properties of it are always the same. And so I guess it's no surprise that we find it in all these video games as well. It's the same thing. Anytime the... Anytime the mythopoeic imagination is is invoked in the creative process, this stuff piles out. It, it, the, what com- what makes it complicated? I, I think maybe there's two aspects to it. You know, like one is is the the complexity of the fact that for some for some authors it is conscious. So that, mm. so you still get to play this horrible game with yourself of. <laughs> Of wondering, yeah. well, is this one of the instances of where we we're dealing with a real wizard? You know, mm. um, that's one aspect of it. And then the other thing too is, I think it's just still. I think for us as modern Western people, like it's mm. just really hard to accept this idea on some level. Like, I feel like I'm constantly trying to find some way in which it can not be true. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, why do I have such a hard time accepting that this stuff is auto-generated? I know that Mm. it is. I auto-generated it. I did. (laughs) Yeah. I had no knowledge of it. And this weird stuff came out in my own work. So there should be no question really. Yet I still am constantly like, like, I don't know, trying to wiggle out of it. Do you feel that way at all? Or yeah. Right? yeah. 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 No, uh, it's funny because it almost feels as if the first time you start interacting with this mythopoeic stuff, you, you're still learning small little details. And so 
you, you end up building up a model out of it, like Jung did. And then once you have a model of it, you start seeing everything under the lens of this model. And in a, in a strange way, it becomes, even though you have a model to help you understand it, yeah. when my, my very first experiences with Sync sometimes were, <laughs> because they were more confusing, they were easier to accept as something completely strange. Right. I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. And like I think that's why there's this early stage of sync where like Robert yeah. Anton Wilson talks that you're very likely to jump to very strange conclusions. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. Like totally. like aliens are communicating with you or something like that. Like you, it's funny how at the beginning you're might more likely to do that. But then you get to this stage where you have a model of it and then it's very it it suddenly becomes weirdly you're more acquainted with yes. the material yeah 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 but it you find it harder because you have a map you find it harder to believe that other people don't have a map <laughs> or stuff like that like you think oh this artist must surely know that the god the goddess has divided the quadrants of the duality of like obviously it it seems so obvious in yeah. a way that you can't believe that they're not doing it intentionally you sort of you forget that yeah. it's strange it's very strange yeah hey I, hey can i tell you how long this clip is that we just recorded oh yeah <laughs> uh the count i'm looking at in premiere is one hour 31 mm. minutes uh 33 oh. seconds and 11 frames <laughs> no way <laughs> yes yes nothing oh but threes and ones God. i'm afraid <laughs> nothing but threes but ones man <laughs> and that's funny because like, i don't know where the... this is going by the way if this is if we're attaching this to the video game thing or to the podcast thing we have a problem now don't we um Th that i was but yeah. uh but uh <laughs> for if people are listening you have no idea what you know why that would even be significant <laughs> uh we talk sometimes about threes being like little snakes and ones being like columns there's something numinous about those numbers to me as little pictures i think you probably agree um yeah yeah the, yeah yeah there's something about like the straight line and the wiggly line yes yeah exactly there there's some 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 duality there that that seems to mimic the hemispheric duality maybe you know uh, one yeah. is fluid and expressive <laughs> and the other is the straight line yeah mm -hmm. yeah and it's definitely being um shouted at us yes <laughs> i think 11 frames <laughs> jesus that blows my mind <laughs> that one's it, precise that, down to the frame count <laughs> we're past second precision into i don't know what frames are not at the level of nanoseconds or milliseconds yet but some tiny subdivision of a second <laughs> and okay so one reason why that is bizarre is for me because the also last time I, didn't we have some sorry didn't we have some crazy yeah. sync number in the I, I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah, that did. like, and, but we we yeah. didn't we didn't manage to record it because we we stopped recording prematurely. Again, we didn't listen to the to the to the always record wisdom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we mentioned it like off yeah. camera. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it it's strange it's in 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 this recording because somehow it really struck me, and it's a stupid little detail, but the fact that. There, the portal that you go through in the rebel quarters yeah. is this mirror that is divided into three sections that leads you to a cellar, a key master's place, where the entrance into the key place is three barrels. Oh, God, so you, is that true? Yeah, hold on, I'm going to yes, review the footage here, but yeah, wow. It's like the the, the mirror is divided into three. And it takes you into a room that starts off with a three as well. Um, and I find it funny because throughout the episode, I was thinking, you know, how... Three barrels, you said, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. There actually, there is a fourth barrel, but it's it's in a totally separate group. It's actually as right. far away from those other barrels 
as it possibly could be. It's the opposite diagonal in the square there. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It felt as if those three I'm going to count the keys were... here. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> like, it, it, I, I just was feeling as if... Um, Dude, it's, uh, it's two sets of seven. <laughs> oh, there, there are two key, are key squares, and each has seven keys, yeah. <laughs> yeah so there's a big 77 there <laughs> which we mm. missed uh gosh yeah the th and, and so there's a 33 and a 77 it's kind of lined up together there uh yeah and and three because it's the squiggly line and i think like you've spoken about this that it yeah it kind of weirdly resonates even though at this point, of course, the analysis becomes very loose and very fluid. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it, it, it becomes less grounded on solid evidence. But it's funny that it would do that precisely because we're analyzing wiggly lines. We're analyzing the symbol of fluidity of water. Right. Like right. Right. Number. Th so anyway, what I was going to say is that the number three then seems to resonate. Um, the number six or what like in the yeah, sense that yeah. it or the number nine yeah, and how yeah. <laughs> it is a spiral the, the the number three is a wiggly line so it's a spiral so you know those were the numbers three six and and nine that i thought oh. i was seeing with you know troubling frequency in john carpenter movies i actually have no idea if that's even true anymore you know but oh. but at the time i was not i was definitely just noticing them you know I was noticing three and six and nine as being important somehow. And then I stumbled across this quote that's often attributed to Tesla. I think misattributed. I can't actually track down a real citation for it. But the quote is something like, once you understand the mystery of the three, the six, and the nine, then you'll, you know, you'll understand the universe, basically. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, okay. And that just completely made me, like, nuts. Like, it just inflamed my, like, like what is going on with John Carpenter kind of feelings. <laughs> this was, you know, this was before, um, before sync, before I became aware of sync as sync, I was having yep. sync experiences, but as is typical, I think I thought it was about something else. I thought it was about something much smaller <laughs> at, at mm. that point in, in, in some kind of way. I thought, I thought I was just discovering a weird esoteric undercurrent in this one director that I loved. And I think that is also what, ha you know, I think John Carpenter does have interests in depth psychology and related topics, but, but then there's that moment yeah. where it, yeah, where it, it jumps out into, into, <laughs> it hops over into other media things where it shouldn't be, or just into the world where it shouldn't be. Uh, and then it's a larger, yeah, it, a larger canvas. Yeah. It's funny. Cause like it is, it's funny how it starts off with the small thing and like Kubrick, I think has been an anchor for that kind of uh, feeling. I think like he's the, oh, yeah, yeah. the director, like where for many people, things can get as weird as they want, but they never leave the realm of Kubrick. Exactly. Like yeah. people go into really, really deep stuff with Kubrick, but it never transcends Kubrick. Yeah. It's sometimes. a, it's a, he's, <laughs> he's a tutorial level, you know, it's like a training <laughs> area yes. that's how i regard carpenter carpenter taught me well this is so weird mm. like carpenter with my unconscious fused together and taught me how to read symbolism you know <laughs> yeah funny like or read symbolism in this particular way you know in movies or whatever um it's funny that yeah. it would be carpenter like because when i think about it a lot of these directors i think are directors that are consciously aware of symbolism Yes. Like it seems that Kubrick, Kubrick is, was Carpenter, was, Carpenter yeah, is, yeah. and for me, like my, I had basically the same experience you had with Carpenter, but like with David Lynch. Ah, uh, yeah. Who's also yeah. like a classic sort of like you can interpret the movie as a dream basically because he tells you to do that exactly. Like yeah, yeah. Mulholland Drive is a dream, but then it and he talks about transcendental meditation and yeah, catching the deep fish and all that stuff. So yeah, he's he's definitely in in the process. And then, like, I, I suppose it's what happened to you with Carpenter as well, that you then get, get into a very worrying space where you start <laughs> noticing David Lynch symbolism in, exactly, like, the, exactly in, like, the, Sco yeah. the Scooby-Doo movie or something. Yes, and like, exactly. fuck. <laughs> exactly. Well, for me, it, it happened with, with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, in fact. Yeah. 
along with the Medusa touch. I just, I watched those kind of right together and they both, I was like, it seemed to me like somehow John Carpenter had secretly directed those movies. That was the only way yes. I could, you know, like I knew that couldn't be true, but yeah. that's what was in, seemed to be in front of me. And then also there were strange 9-11 things in it. <laughs> so mm. that was quite an exciting weekend when I watched those <laughs> two movies. <laughs> well, and then I watched the, Cassandra. The... I watched David Plate's amazing oh, film shit. just a few days after that. So, yeah. That was like Which a is critical seven... like mind blow. It was seven and a half hours long, yeah. Huh. <laughs> I love that it's seven as well. Like Yeah, it's great. <laughs> the seven energy just kind of came out of nowhere this last mm. while for me. It seems like the new tool album is maybe seven themed. They said something. Oh like yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I love how it's three, six, and nine, like you said, like they're all wiggly, like squiggly numbers. Yeah. They're all like very liquid. Very, yeah. Numbers. Well, and they do uh, have weird properties in the decimal system. They exist mm-hmm. at a kind of weird aliasing point, which makes this so-called vortex mathematics possible. <laughs> do you anything about that? <laughs> weird oh, my God. Like the, the astronomer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Bob. <laughs> Bob Vortex. And his vortex. name is a palindrome, right? Like you can read it. Yeah, Bob. Well, it just makes me think of, of, uh, of the twin Bobs but, made Back to the Future, you know. Zemeckis oh yeah a twin bobs that's funny because then bob is like the I bad know. guy in twin in twin peaks Jesus yeah Christ. i know it's so weird that <laughs> and of course yeah bob in being a palindrome is like a mirror it's like yeah it's, it, totally it is the is. archetype of the twins it really sense. is like, yeah <laughs> and twinson is all about like oh shit yeah the twinson but, yeah it's so weird the whole that whole this <laughs> i think i said something incorrect about that in the first episode of the of screen dreams i, I said mm. i got twin sun and twin sen exactly mixed up for reference oh. twin sen is the character twin sun is the the planet right yeah like strange okay. that they're related that way though because then sendal is actually a goddess that lives in the center of twin sun she's in the middle of the earth it's oh. she's sophia basically i find it very gnostic the way she's embedded mm. in matter in that in this game. Yeah. Mm, nice. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like, I think, yeah. And she's not just a goddess. It, I, I, I forget. We'll, we'll have to get to the ending of the game and watch it all happen. But she's a goddess that is maybe pregnant or, or is herself a, a young child that's gestating with the, <sighs> with the earth as the womb. It's something like that though. There's there's a she's mixed a little bit with the divine child. And in fact she looks quite a bit like the star child. She's just this big kind of blue blue bald thing with deep dark black eyes, you know? Strange. Mm. Huh. Wow. That's funny. I haven't like Okay. There are explosions on a tower right before that happens, by the way, as well. Oh, <laughs> the, whole, the final action thing, it's like you fight Funfrock on the top of the tower that he's building. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's funny, because I keep thinking about that um, library and how Star Wars is being played at the top of that the tower. That is really weird. Library. I keep thinking about that, too, just from the standpoint of like how empty that room is. He's there mm. all by himself. It's, and it's like every other place in that level pretty much exists for some reason that makes sense. That room is just a strange throwaway moment. And I mean, it makes those sense. Just seem, those seem like the kinds of places, right? It's in the throwaway mm. moment. It's like the whole thing is there for a joke. But for some reason, it was really important to somebody to put that joke in. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They probably they probably like fought for it, you know, because probably someone was like, "Why is this here? This is a waste mm. of space." Like, well, you know, <laughs> they're like, "Nope, we're gonna record dialogue for it." It's you know, this is my That's this is my point. Star Wars reference. It's, whoever put it in doesn't know why they put it in. It's because it's a joke. That's the whole thing. Yet it was something important enough to include. It's weird that the Easter eggs. It seems to me, and little jokes like that are like. Very often, I feel that it's like the same feeling as I have about product placement. 
they're very it seems like they're very leverageable <laughs> by uh by unconscious stuff somehow yeah yeah like someone had the gut feeling that they really yeah. needed to include that yeah there's something because it's a humor there's something intuitive about it right so it hmm. i think a lot of jokes are built intuitively and therefore are yeah maybe maybe better better areas for unconscious stuff to come out but i wonder about that too because it seems to me like it can just come out anywhere like it comes out all over the place yeah <laughs> it's definitely premature probably to to, to say like <laughs> certain scenarios make it more likely or not you know i don't know but but i do notice like a lot of times light jokes and things have strange additional information yeah yeah and, and and it is strange also that like a library is a place where in theory you have to be really silent so a movie theater would be a really loud yeah exactly thing yeah. and it kind of you know i'm, I'm reading in between also the lines i kind of don't but... even believe him you don't see a movie screen there's no projector <laughs> on the back of the wall where there should be there's no one else in that room there's no implication of there being films stored anywhere in that place it's all books <laughs> that's funny because also and like you say it makes no sense to have a movie theater in a library maybe a maybe a small private screening booth with headphones mm. you know that kind of thing but and a library is a silent place so it's kind of a holy place in a weird way it's again like yes. the movie theater in the church kind of thing yes yeah um and and isn't it funny like because the game is in an isometric view i think the reason you don't see the screen in yeah, the movie yeah. theater it's because is because view. it it coincides with the view that you don't get of the room yeah, which means yeah, yeah. that your screen oh, is no. the yes like like it's exactly <laughs> it's in the, the isometric yeah right yeah <laughs> <laughs> And the fourth wall manifests there as as an absence. I find that really interesting. It's like it cancels out in the in the isometric space of the of the game. Right. <laughs> and and then it so okay, what's kind of trippy as well is that then in like in my personal reading, if that movie screen gets associated to the number three potentially. Yeah then our file is filled with threes. Like, there's something about how... I oh, Like, we're, we're entering into <laughs> tricky territory here because it's very easy to... Okay, so yeah, let's make a note. It's very easy to, like, make this kind of speculation and sound as if we have delusions of grandeur. Sure, sure, yeah. But, like, this stuff seems to happen in the sense of... Regardless of what is happening, that's the whole thing with Jung's concept, that you have the feeling of meaning there is right, a meaningful right, thing right. is being felt maybe who knows what the kind of um what's going on really maybe it it is a coincidence that you are feeling as meaningful but i find it funny that after being focusing on this number for so long and the game being about like the the help the rebel cause that is fighting the empire yeah in the name of the goddess yeah. Is communicating through screens. The screens take you to the secret place where the key is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> we we get a number three on our file. Like, um, it's funny because exactly you don't necessarily have to jump to any conclusion from that. Right. It's just it's <clears throat> funny that that feels meaningful to us. It's just the very experience that of it feeling mm -hmm. meaningful is is strange. <laughs> right. Although we should also acknowledge, I guess that. It isn't meaningful to the vast oh, right. majority of people, <laughs> yes. right? Right yeah, now, there yeah, are people exactly. that are just, you know, if there's anyone listening to this, maybe that isn't up on any of this stuff, they're just like, what the fuck are these dudes talking about? <laughs> Threes <laughs> in file names and like what, you know. But uh, yeah, for us, for some reason, it's become very meaningful. <laughs> mm, mm. And there's there yeah. does seem to be some like subset of people for whom such things become meaningful although interestingly it doesn't seem that in, that most people begin with this stuff being meaningful at least not in our culture um R right you mean like begin the sync kind of i mean there was definitely or? a period in my life when i would not have paid attention 
to numbers and file names or anything like that, you know? And in fact, when I started to become aware of those things, I remember feeling kind of upset about it, you know? I was like, is this my life now? I just can't <laughs> walk down the street without, I have to read every license plate. I have to, re you know, it felt very crazy to me. Um, and the answer to that, by the way, is that no, not exactly. Like I don't, I, I don't obsessively scan my environment for sync stuff anymore. You know, that, that's something that I think you're more likely to do when you first start seeing it because it's, it's something very new and very seductive, whatever it is. And so you're, you want to. It's a funny, it's thing, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you relate like that. When are you chasing it versus when is it chasing you is very tricky and inverts a lot. And, uh, yeah, you know, because sometimes <laughs> like, like it feels like, like you're actively seeking out sync and other times it just intrudes in places where it has no, where you, from, from your standpoint as the ego, whatever, it has no right to. And in fact, how dare it kind of, you know, uh, and, and also things can, sinks can, how to describe this, you know, sinks can detonate in your psyche in a way that reaches the ground floor, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, you know, like, that's the thing that I think is, is sometimes very difficult to articulate to like a general audience is because it seems like the, like the mismatch is so insane between some stupid, maybe random number that you saw and like a feeling of religious life altering meaning. How, you know, mm -hmm. how could it be that meaningful? Um, it's hard to explain how it could, you know, I, the, the truth is, I guess we don't really know, you know, I don't know why it can be so meaningful. I mean, I, mm. I can say something like, well, because it, it relates to all these other structures that you've, but so what? That's all very abstract and, you know, clinical stuff about patterns. Who cares? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a bunch of patterns stacked up in a funny way. Great. That's shouldn't, you know, but somehow to me, some of these things are, you know, it, it's because they stack in a way where there, like you say, there just is so much meaning in them, for us anyway, and and I guess what I would really agree with is that it's very strange, whatever's going on, it's very strange that that that's a possibility, that human mm. beings can relate to small environmental details, as if they were, uh, and perhaps they are, um, emanations of some transcendent organization. See, I think this relates somehow also to the, sorry, I'm really bouncing around here, but I think this relates no, no. somehow to the hermetic stuff too. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that I accidentally pulled out a triplanar structure in my attempt to think about sync <laughs> video hermeneutics, you know? It's, there's a, there's a pervasive feeling of the above and below being in secret consp you know, in conspiracy with each other because it's somehow it's the thresholds of awareness thing it's like big organization and small organization are things that human relative to the human being which we self-define as the middle right it's mm. like mm. it's the above and the below at the pattern detection level mm. and somehow there's a sense of that the big patterns and the small patterns are reflecting each other around, almost like around, you know, like in a ring around human experience in the center. That's just a kind of magical intuition that I think a lot of us get. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when we, you know, when you start investigating this stuff and it, you know, it comes out in various images and it's talked about in different ways, but this sense of three domains, like, um, like an earth, like oh, like sea, earth, and sky, for instance. Mm, you know, yeah. that's the same kind of thing. Or like, um, you know, gods, mortals, and then dwarves, or you know, something of the earth. Like, 
there's the gods in the sky, there's kind of human beings in the middle, and then there's the pixies that live in the bushes, you know? <laughs> it's just very... Yeah. I, I think that's as common as Jung's quaternity mandala thing, you know? I think Jung really gives three a, sh- a, a shallow treatment, in fact. <laughs> I think he's blinded by the perfection of the, of the four, which I agree is somehow the more perfect number, but... There's something to human perception and, and that notion of three levels that, uh, yeah, I think the flux capacitor maybe exists to correct, you know, that's a, it's a different sort of mandala with three in the middle. But interestingly, there are lots of traditional mandalas that have the number three in the, in the middle as well. So it's an ambiguity in the mythic material. It is funny. There's a lot of Celtic uh, imagery with like threes. Yeah. Like, the Celts um, are very obsessed with three. It's true. And I don't know who knows if any of this matters, but I I have quite a bit of Celtic ancestry. Oh right, actually, well, I think I do too. Um, uh, interesting, yeah. I only well, mention it because Terence mentions yeah. it all the time. Yes, that his his sense of the psychedelic experience is somehow of reverting to a more pagan Celtic kind of sense of his identity, and mm. I have you know similar feelings about it actually. <laughs> Yeah, there is something yeah. weird there, I think. Yeah, that is definitely. It's so strange that because obviously it's a. It 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 is a possibility that, um, because if in our unconscious there are things of our personal past, and then there seem to be things of a very big abstract archetypal past. Yeah. Then. And if there is the potential for precognition in human beings, right? Like if we are able, if if the timeline is able to do these weird things, it does make you wonder whether you can, maybe in a sort of shamanic pagan way, whether you can remember stuff about your ancestors or sort of that. Like I, I really, there's something about it that bothers me, and that's yeah, why I, I don't. I agree. Because yeah. there, there's something about it that really like plays into the hands of um, a certain kind of p- political ideology. Yeah, exactly. I suppose, yeah, it's a very that, short that... hop from there to some very bad ideas. Yeah, exactly. 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 It's, a, it's a dangerous <laughs> zone, and yet. Yes. Uh, yeah. And yeah. yet, maybe there is something to that zone because we we don't have any idea how this stuff works, and yeah. the, and the fact yeah. that. A, a, something like that might be politically inconvenient because it's a dangerous mm. zone yeah. by way of what it borders, you know. Unfortunately, it's just neither here nor there if it's true, you know. So <laughs> so it could be true. We, we don't know. Um, yes. and, and Jung is quite ambiguous about that, really. I don't think he knows what he thinks about it. Um, no. He does sometimes talk about the collective unconscious in those terms, though, as kind of a, a, an ancestral memory or racial memory. Mm. Um, there, yeah. are, you know, yeah. there are people, there are past life people who who might agree with it. There are probably people who have experiences of past lives who would disagree with that interpretation of it as well, though. And without having any idea about any of this stuff, it's so hard to separate that out from cultural. Uh, self, sort of gra- self gravitation towards um, certain cultural zones, you know, because I know that my ancestors were Irish or whatever. I, de- yeah. I, I developed an interest as part of like discovering my roots when I was like 14, 15, you know, just yes. a thing people go through. Like, and so I was, got into Celtic mythology and I read a bunch of stuff and I looked at a bunch of images and I listened to, you know, like Irish folk music for the first time in my life and loved mm. it, found it very beautiful. But I have diverse musical tastes and diverse tastes. Um, now it's hard to say because because I did do all that. Like I do I have a I like I feel very fondly of all that material, but but maybe I feel fondly about it because it was part of a part of my world expanding when I was fifteen. You know, most mm. of the things I discovered when I was fifteen I still feel very <laughs> fondly about. Yeah. So it's hard, you know, you can't unfortunately the way that we're raised does not lend itself to um just naturally to the, to being like a good experiment for figuring out where crypto amnesia or whatever it's called ends and uh, 
maybe actual kind of autonomous contents begin. Although I feel that with the more esoteric aspects of it, it 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 is a little bit more like that because we tend not to be exposed to that stuff so directly. Like I didn't have a knowledge of alchemical imagery going into this, yet somehow yeah. produced alchemical imagery. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So tricky, yeah, that, that, just tricky that, in all directions. Yeah, that that is a strange thing. Like that that's a, a cool thing about the the whole thing that Jung talks about is how you can sort of discover a series of patterns and then see that there is artwork in ancient art of many different cultures around the world that have similar things. And it's, it's a strange thing because on the one hand, it, it kind of has like a, um, <laughs> it has a, a weird unifying thing that again, I feel a little, cautious of sometimes like this way in which all religions center you know i feel a bit cautious about how you can because it's a bit like with the but at the same like okay i'll finish my thought like (laughs) it's a bit um you could end up having this picture where if all of them are expressions of this same um or if they're all connected in this archetypal thing, then someone, some human entity, be it a organization, a person, or uh, whatever, can have a sense of inflation and identify with that archetypal center of the mandala kind of thing and say, okay, so a bit like, what's the word of it? And I kind of, I, I really like, um, God, there's been so many... Um, attempts to unify religions uh you know madame blavatsky was uh in this what's the name of it god damn it not transhumanism but something Mm. similar and that has something to do with religion the i don't know damn it oh damn it yeah it's a shame anyway like that you can start like a new religion let's say and say okay thinking of theosophy Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. exactly. And I'm I'm not like it sounded as if I was <laughs> I don't I I've I've liked a lot of the theosophical sure, writings sure. Yeah, yeah. like I, I don't know. But like it it feels as if you can do this thing where you say, Okay, we're going to create this abstraction from all of these religions yeah. and create a distillation of that which will be more real right more right, pure right. kind of thing um and it's the same with like with the race thing that, that you can easily say oh so um there are all these uh ways in which we can recover like contact with the um past and the ancestors and stuff but some ways are more pure than others or some like y- you can end up kind of because like you can end up feeling as if religions or different things are mm, distortions of a pure center of the mandala because um Hmm. like at an archetypal level uh it, it it like there is this weird platonic thing where sometimes you see a symbol that is very faintly resonating a three. And then there's another symbol that's very clearly resonating the number three. And there's all these different symbols that resonate the number three, but in different degrees. And then that leads you to abstract and say, okay, there must be a platonic three that is the pure, perfect three. Mm. And then if you identify some human thing, some material thing, as being that pure platonic three, <laughs> right? Yeah, you there is a huge inflation. Yeah, like where where and and it happens Somehow again. That with, seems to be just the inverse of of an anti-Semitic attitude, or or something like that, where you're projecting right. this archetypal something mm-hmm. onto some concrete particular category of humanity or or individual. Oh, or whatever right? Yeah, yeah. 
R right. Yeah, that's very interesting. Exactly. It it can. You can both. That's funny. You can both project like this archetypal. Well, I suppose that at one level, it's like a sort of <laughs> taking archetypal. God, it's like it's like what in Zen Buddhism sometimes they say how there's you can. If you end up seeing yin and yang as being good and evil or something, then ah. you will end up, you uh -huh. know, you will end up <laughs> having a project, bad go of it. <laughs> like, 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 because, <laughs> yeah, like you end up projecting archetypal evil onto something external and considering yourself to be archetypal good or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. Um, even though precisely because those things are archetypal, evil and archetypal good you as a physical being who sort of changes and and goes through time you are you are not an archetypal being that's right that yeah, kind, yeah like that that kind of inflation and neither like i suppose and all all that this is leading ah, to is just that's it that's it right that's there's mm -hmm. a weird thing in that as relates to egs somehow as well with Randy uh -huh. wanting to literally become the anima, to become the archetype itself. Right, right. Yeah. That it seems because archetypes are non-temporal or they're kind of they're eternal in the sense that they're not eternal. I, I don't think they're eternal right. in the sense yeah, that's that it. they're... And, be, and become, become the archetypal anima as well. Mm. You know, there's mm -hmm. a difference. I think there is some kind of a difference. You know, it's like yes. the personal anima... And the archetypal anima. I don't know. That's something to think about, maybe. But um, right. But, but, okay. But her, but yeah. her archetypal dimension, where she is an eternal ghost shepherding uh, mm -hmm. uh, goddess figure. Mm -hmm. I think that's at some level what Randy was playing at. Although he doesn't exactly imagine that he becomes Ember, but he, but he rides with her. You know, he's in the squad. So I feel it's it's kind of the same somehow. He becomes a god in some way, or a goddess. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's just like because it's it's like what you we were saying about um, Terence McKenna talking about uh, paganism and and this sort of shaman roots of specific individuals. Like you have this kind of an ancestry, and I have this kind of an ancestry. Right. Like I think that. Yeah, the, the 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 problem seems to arise when there is this idea of like purity or something comes in in a in a very absolute kind of sense, like yeah. that some <laughs> that that, and I suppose yeah. it it enters precisely because this kind of contact like sync sync itself puts you in touch with with let's say a sort of non-locality or non-temporality it puts yeah, you in touch yeah. with something that's sort of non-linear yeah and non-linearity feels like there's something that feels platonic or, or that um yeah well it's like the whole yeah. thing right on some level is is sinking into this store of archetypal images that are in your head. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you, you know, Jung, Jung notes that, right? It's like, as that stuff, like, it's very hard not to become inflated as that mm. stuff is pouring, because it's like you've opened this cosmic door and the secrets of the universe are, like, yeah. <laughs> being dis disclosed to you. Like, that's, you know, <clears throat> not that that's actually... Well, here's the funny thing. What, what would you say? Would you say that's actually happening or not? <laughs> Uh, right, that 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 the uh, that secrets of the universe are yeah. literally like because uh -huh. <laughs> it's kind of kind of is and it isn't right. That's the funny yeah. thing, and to understand how it both is and isn't actually might not be possible until you've had the experience. I, I think, I think it may be a fool's errand to try to explain that the dual nature of that <laughs> that somehow we can feel that the secrets of the universe were actually disclosed to us, and yet also know that we haven't learned anything actionable in some kind of way you know mm. it's not like mm. we've gained any <laughs> power from it really yeah. and it's and it's also not 
that we've understood something that is a solution to anything in life. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> the secrets of life are meant to be secret. They're, they don't affect directly, you know, the things happening in actual life. <laughs> You've learned some stuff about the gears of something. That doesn't tell you how to, how to operate the machine, really. Yeah, yes. something like that, maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, that, that's, it's funny because it, it reminds me of why, like, again, in, in Zen Buddhism, something that always kind of struck me is that my first reaction when reading some of those kind of texts is that it was very um, minimalist and kind of sober, like Zen gardens and the whole aesthetic that is associated with it is an aesthetic of minimalism, kind of like the right. Zen has this sort of, and because they really insist on not sort of intellectualizing things too much or not trying to explain things that can't be explained and all that, it, it felt to me sometimes like they were missing out, like it was sort of boring or too minimalist like that yeah it, it, yeah, it yeah. misses out on the on the cool possibilities of theory and philosophy in general mm -hmm. but but then sometimes I, I i wonder like when you said this thing that that maybe the let's say the inner experience of like <laughs> some zen meditator is actually just as baroque and convoluted as uh -huh. as the experience of a sink person is just that they don't talk about it like that they've sort of taken a vow of silence kind of mm. like they in the sense of like that maybe the zen attitude is like the, it seems as if the aesthetic of zen is very minimalistic but i feel that and I'm, when i'm speaking about zen i'm i'm speaking mainly about this question about how much should you talk and how much shouldn't you? I, it, it's like, because right. you could you could notice a bunch of stuff on number plates, for example, or like s stuff in your personal life. I remember I made a video on my channel years ago where I had noticed all these sinks in, in stuff that was extremely personal. And I made it and then I, <laughs> I quickly deleted it because I was like... <laughs> You know what the hell am I doing? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. Th is this really something that needs to be spoken out loud? Can't right. it stay in silence, or can't it be expressed through a song or some like? Why? Yeah, you know, like, but but somehow it. If you see something, say something. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's yeah, just, there's something about it. It demands to be spoken. The, the uh, I really feel it physically. Like I feel a. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> There are certain sinks that even though they're personal, they just, it, I feel that it's somehow um, disrespectful to let them pass without marking that they happened. And somehow the yep. most direct way to do that is to just say, hey, this thing happened. <laughs> there, there are many other ways that, you know, you could, you could make a piece of art about it. I do that too, of course, mm -hmm. but... Very often, the quickest way to relieve yourself of that feeling is to just make some little thing to prove that it exists. I don't know. So Jung had to build a castle eventually, you know? Yeah. It wasn't enough to just draw a picture in a book anymore. Mm -hmm. and, and he says yeah. just that about it. You know, he says something to the effect of it just wasn't real enough. It needed to be more real. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Weird. You know, what does that tell you? I don't know what that says about, about all this stuff. This guy had to build a physical castle to, to convince himself of the reality of, of it, you know? Yeah. That would be one way of looking at it. The other way would be that the castle had to be built because, because the intensity of what was experienced objectively was mm. so immense, you know? Right, like don't I you wonder, have that feeling like, though. Don't you want to build a castle? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe not a castle well, per se, but some something like that. Yes, yes. No, I mean, in fact, this has been a big theme for me these last few weeks because I've suddenly I loved um, drawing and, and doing like visual art as a kid, 
like I wanted to be like a cartoonist or the typical sort of thing. And it's funny, so did I, I. I really want, yeah. Right, and I completely abandoned that. Like I haven't done any drawing in years and years, and suddenly I've really, really felt that's really the cool. desire yeah. to do that, and not only to draw, but like to teach myself to like paint to use like paint which is something i've never done yeah and it really feels as if there is a huge impatience in the psyche yeah not 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 my impatience someone else yeah. is impatient yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's as if um you know i could have made a lot of music but I haven't. I've been very slow with my making music. I could have made a lot of videos, but I haven't. It feels as if my, my psyche wants some avenue, some outlet that I can be much more productive in. Like it, it's not yeah. satisfied with the amount of output that has been coming out of the other outlets. It's like, yeah. come on, just like, <laughs> like find something. It's squeezing me in all directions to see where. That's so funny. I've really been having yeah. the same feelings. Yeah. There've been a lot of pieces of media that have, come into my life recently that seem to be emphasizing that you know the need for uh, not not just for the frequency i think but somehow for me also for the i don't know the the boldness of it you know mm, yeah i yes. think i think i just i don't know what the deal is that i'm constantly worrying about what happens if my art is too potent or something what a ridiculous yeah, yeah. worry to have really i mean <laughs> You ever heard any other artists like, what the fuck is my problem? <laughs> Shouldn't I be trying to make the most like, like, ex like intense like thing pop? Isn't that what everyone else is trying to do? Yeah. Just let myself go. Fucking A. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It really reminds me again. I think of it's just this... a lot of ego stuff. I think it's just a lot of, yeah. I'm just still really, really too hung up on what people say about it. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Secretly, I think that's really all it is. <laughs> Who cares, yes. you know? And, you know, if some crazy person experiences our work and does something crazy, they're probably going to, you know, I, I I happen to believe they were probably going to do something crazy anyway. It's just, yeah. you can't, oh, yeah. you know, it's, <laughs> and if it's not, you know, it's going to be something. <laughs> There's all yeah. kinds of media. And, and, and we also know from the sync experience, which I think gives us, I, I mean, I'm hesitant to say this in a strong way. So I want to say mm -hmm. this in the weakest way possible, but yeah. <laughs> it gives us a little bit of an insight maybe into psych, psych, psychosis and states like yes. that. Like it's, you know, it can be anything. It can be Peppa mm. Pig, you know, mm. it can yes. be, it, it could be, <laughs> it could be a, a weird number and a file name. So mm. there's just nothing, uh, there's no reason really not to make, I mean, I mean, I think it's important to be responsible and be socially responsible and all of that. But I worry about that way too much, I'm realizing, you know. Yeah. That should be 5% of my time should be worrying about that. And 95% of my time should just be trying to make evocative work, you know. Mm. So mm. I'm trying very hard to force a shift there. But it's, it's very difficult. I, I think that I really, like, there's, a, there's an aspect of self-sabotage to it, too. This creativity thing is really tricky. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 it's funny because you would think, sometimes I'm just surprised how I have all the tools at my disposal to make the kind of art that I want to make. And I have time to do it. And yet, um, th the more intense the art gets, the more sort of cripplingly difficult it becomes to make <laughs> yeah that's true yeah like like it it probably for a number of reasons what do you, what do you think mm. are kind of the yes i i was feeling how um it it feels as if okay so yeah now that we're talking about like um psychosis and 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 this that i feel as if the more vulnerable and open I get to making art that I feel is really like communicating something. Yeah. It 
it gets me into such a, a sort of vulnerable um, or open kind of state that things begin to be very, very uh, important, very tiny things yes. can throw me off balance because my shell is so soft. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I find this very hard to communicate to non-artist mm. people that, <laughs> that in order to be a good artist, you have to make yourself very thin and transparent in a lot of ways to let these mm. subtle currents flow and sometimes not so subtle but to just let this energy happen but you know first of all for me it uh i can't just snap in and out of states that quickly like yeah. once i've made myself open in that way it's that's it's around for a while you know i need a few mm. days or a week or something <laughs> to like transition back out of it into a more functional normal sort of state um, yeah, you know, I, I suppose it's just like anything else. Like if, you know, if we were working on an oil rig, there would be all kinds of aspects of that job that are totally invisible to what people think that job is, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think people think they have an idea of what it means to be an artist, but they just, they don't have any idea really. It's a nightmare <laughs> a lot of the time, like, cause you're dealing with things in you that are just powerful and nuts really so <laughs> yeah yeah because I, I i sometimes it you get into this let's say alchemical or psychotic whatever state where you become very susceptible i mean that's why you're open yeah that's why you're thin because you're susceptible and then what that means sometimes is that um you become a bit or at least I become a bit sort of OCD or something where the art making becomes ritualistic. It becomes ritualized in a way. Yeah. And some, and if one of those elements in the ritual fails or isn't correct, uh, my energy completely like goes into a slump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you developed like superstitions about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I have exactly. a lot of those. <laughs> Weird. Like, I, I remember I was um, recording... Well, in fact, you know, I have these songs that I've been working on. Well, I, I haven't touched them in ages. And the reason I haven't touched them in ages is because I had, <laughs> superstitiously, I had an opportunity to record the vocals for them. Uh, like last year, in fact, last December. Mm. And I didn't trust what came out. I ah, didn't... yeah, yeah trust the first sort of output my ego wanted to fiddle with it and so i deleted those vocals and i recorded them again and i didn't like the second recording so i recorded them again and again and yeah, again I recorded them like loads game. of times it's gonna get worse yeah. and worse forever yeah. and they just got worse and worse <laughs> and and what's weird yeah. is that now those songs are kind of jinxed like i yeah, really ruined <laughs> i don't i You'll I don't never return. Feel, yeah, I, exactly. I, I don't feel like recording you them. You might as I, well delete I've, them, dude. They're, yeah, they're <laughs> it's all like, over. <laughs> I've I've tried like I've tried, and it's funny because it's been like a year, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna open the files again. Yeah, and it's like I tried singing them, and it just it like it was not, my throat almost clenched in tension. Oh you know? God! Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was so, and and that I think that's one of the things why that even the more the more art also the stuff make... that you didn't like by the way in that mm. first take i bet was brilliant i bet it yeah, i that... bet it was all the vulnerability and all the imperfection and all the stuff that makes it good you know <laughs> exactly. i'm always trying to remove that stuff but it's yeah it's what enlivens the art or a big part of what it does you know yeah and and like <clears throat> That's what kind of <laughs> bums me out because I've realized that things have gotten to such a state of intensity now that I only get one chance at stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and maybe I've driven myself into this superstition, but it really feels as if this superstition, whatever it is, allows me to access um, levels of creativity that I wasn't able to before. So it's like there's a, yeah. a risk. It's like a, it's like a gamble. You risk 
entering into the, it's like the shamanic thing right you enter you go into the underworld and it's a dangerous place but only in the underworld are you going to find certain things like uh, right. it's as if um you have to ag- acknowledge well, but sometimes you you don't even choose to you just get thrown into the underworld <laughs> True, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like um but but yeah in any case i've been really feeling recently and and it's funny cuz painting was very drawing was very important to me as a child and i've been realizing maybe why i had stopped doing it is because i it it makes me really emotional to draw stuff yeah like seeing That's stuff so that i had imagined yeah. in my eye in my mind's eye oh, like yeah. even very very uh unemotional scenes like i remember i was drawing the other day i was just drawing like a picture of like a face i just imagined a face and i drew it and i was like oof like it felt really yeah. emotionally oh, charged God, <laughs> <dude>. yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah i know exactly and it was what you like, mean yeah <laughs> and i was like wow okay so well, my ex- something yeah my experience with doing those like facial mashups and photoshop was like that you know mm. it's like you're sifting i was like sifting through all these faces Trying, trying to layer them in search of something. I didn't know what, you know, a picture of the anima, I guess, which I still don't feel that I've really gotten. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, every time it gets a little closer, it's like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like someone dropped me off a building and then s- scooped me up right at the last set. You know, there's like that feeling, feeling of like falling, like oh god, like. <laughs> Oh God! What if you know? I, I don't know how to describe it, but I, I, I want to return. I want to return really quickly to to the yes. that like oil rig example I gave because yeah, I feel like that's yeah, a yeah, strange yeah. example actually. Yeah. I, I meant uh, obviously there are many things about working on an oil rig that everyone acknowledges are awful. Like mm-hmm. it's backbreaking work, very dangerous work, um, all that stuff yeah but but i actually was speaking i think more about the that there are probably inner you know inner Mm. emotional realities that go along with with working on a job like that that are not people just don't think about it seems that that seems to be a trend you know that we don't take mental health very seriously anywhere we just Mm. don't um so anyway just to clarify i I feel weird like like some kind of strange like classist Oh no! Like in there or something. What I was saying, but um, right? No, no. I, I think like I think w- what I um what I got what I like about that example is precisely that exactly. I think as if the experience of doing that task or any task repetitively uh, until you're like perfecting it, yeah. Oh, until you're sort of be- becoming acquainted with it, carries with it something that an external observer will never see yeah exactly like, yeah like you you can go and visit an oil rig and see like someone can tell you okay so this is how we work but the there are going to be exactly inner dimensions to that that are completely like out of um and in in any job exactly yeah that's the, right yeah. there there is an inner dimension to the uh, to to getting deeper and deeper and deeper into the job yeah, uh, of, which which of, is so interesting, isn't it? Because it almost mm. directly contradicts this notion about the one shot at the energy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I feel that I I have two kind of visual art things going on right now that that are evolving in parallel and that exactly map onto that, you know? I have this digital painting practice, mm. which is very slow and um, layered. And it's in this, it's in Photoshop, so I can undo infinitely and make a million branches and try a million things and really whittle it down till it's perfect, you know? And that's, that's all about very slow learning of technique and, and just working on, working it for hours and hours and hours, you know? And then, on the other hand, I have this automatic drawing practice where I just spend two minutes on a page and it's done, that's it. And it either happens or it doesn't. When it doesn't, I throw, the, I crumple up the paper and throw it away <laughs> because it really doesn't, you know, some bloops come out and it's just nothing. But uh, yeah. other times the energy is there and something amazing happens. Um, I think what's been interesting to me, though, is how the two start to have started to inform each other in a weird way. Like, I feel that the technique I'm developing in my hand with the digital painting is translating back into the automatic drawings a little bit. 
they're getting a little more fluid and a little more shaded and just a little nicer looking compositionally, you know, <laughs> which is just kind of automatic stuff. Obviously, it's still it's I'm not thinking about that stuff when I do the fast drawings. I'm thinking about it when I do the paintings. But all of that experience gets crunched down into unconscious stuff eventually. Yes. And then also I've been working in automatic techniques into the paintings, which enlivens ah. the paintings because then they're not so rigid and determined. They, I leave spaces in them to just improvise quickly with my hand, for, for say for hair or fabrics or things where you want yeah. more fluidity, where it's more of a three rather than a one, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think for me, um, I've really started to get into the idea of like maintaining multiple, somewhat isolated yet interconnected artistic practices. I think that in the past, something that's really limited me has been immediately trying to condense everything together into one big masterwork kind of thing. Um, oh, yeah. What's funny about this other way of approaching it is you kind of get that in the end anyway, but you mm -hmm. leave up the stitching together of the parts to the unconscious. <laughs> you just focus on the different areas and somehow they all do start to inform each other and, and it, it does become one big thing in the end.